new series this weekend called No Man Left Behind. And uh, this idea is something that um, has been adopted. It's a Latin phrase that's been adopted um, by our military, especially the SEALs and especially those in the Marines. And that is that when there's a battle, if someone has been wounded or we're not going to leave them behind. We're going to make sure that everybody is safe. Everybody's with us. We're going to go back, whatever the cost, no matter the price, whatever the resources, we're not going to leave anyone behind. And I believe as we go into this season of Easter, I believe that's the heart of Christ. In fact, I'm going to show you a verse in a second that I believe speaks about this. And we're going to talk about the story that's connected to it. Um, I do like to start with something funny, though. So let me share with you a, a story that I heard. And it was a, about this man who was sitting in a restaurant that was dimly lit. And there was a blonde woman sitting near him at the next table. He leans into the table and he says, uh, Ma'am, would you like to hear a blonde joke? The lady looks at him and says, Well, sir, before you tell me this joke, just to let you know, I'm six foot and I'm a black belt in karate. And uh, the, the blonde woman who's sitting next to me, she's six two. And um, she is a professional wrestler. And the other lady sitting next to her is blonde. She's 6'6", and she is the kickboxing champion of the world. Are you sure you want to tell us that blonde joke? He said, no, you're right. I won't tell it, especially if I'm going to have to explain it three times. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're blonde. I, we're just, just teasing. We're, we're just having fun. Don't be offended if you're blonde. I'm, I'm just teaching. There's blonde, blonde guys in here, too, not just girls. So sometimes we tend to, you know, it's crazy. All right, I'm, I'm digging a hole. I better get my foot out of my mouth and keep talking. All right, stop while I'm ahead. Thank you very much. I'll do that. <laughs> I want you to stand to your feet this morning. We're going to read a verse together. It's so funny, that joke has gotten so much response every service. It's great. Today, before we read this passage, I want to welcome, and I want you to do it with me. We are excited because every week, not only are we here, but we have our church family joining us. And today we have people in San Francisco, Nevada, Colorado, Oregon, Texas, Kansas, North Carolina, Canada, Latvia, London, in the UK, Leeds, all of it. Can you welcome all your church families joining us around the country and around the world? Isn't that cool? Hey, hey. Hey, on that camera right there, we are glad you're with us today. I want to read this passage where I believe this is idea of leave no man behind is what the heart of God is. Jesus made this statement. Let's read it in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. You ready, everybody? Here we go. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus said, I came, and the reason I came is that nobody's going to be left behind. No one that's lost has to stay lost. I'm not leaving anyone behind. That is the heart of God. So I want you to close your eyes today. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you're speaking to us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to awaken within us the heart that Jesus had, which is that, Lord, I don't want anyone left behind. Lord, this Easter, I pray that we'd see such an amazing harvest of souls that we're just blown away by your grace. Fill this building, Lord, not so that we can talk about a number, so that we can say a life has been touched, a life has been changed. Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What's interesting about this verse that we read is most of the time, and many people, if you've been around church, you've heard it, that, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
We've heard that verse, but what we don't realize is its context. Because the context of this verse is at the end of a story or a, a, a thing that took place where Jesus had an encounter with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And what I want to do is I want to talk about this story with Zacchaeus and how that at the end of the story with Zacchaeus, where he gets saved, his life is transformed, his house is saved and transformed. At the end, he says, listen, this story is an example that I came so that no one will be left behind to seek and save the lost. So let's read the story together. You can follow along if you have your Bibles or phones, wherever you're getting your scripture, those of you online. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up and Zacchaeus, at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Jesus basically did not want to leave Zacchaeus behind. And so what I want to do is I want to take this story and I want to look at it through the prism of what Jesus said at the end. Because most of the time when we tell this story, we don't realize that this is the prism or our perspective of this should be based around this concept of reaching out to people who are lost, who don't know the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you three questions today. Here's question number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. And it's simply this. Are you looking for the lost? Are you looking for the lost? Here's what's interesting about this verse and this story. This was not a coincidence. This is not an accidental meeting. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus was going through town, not to just go through town. I believe that there's enough support here in the scripture to suggest that Jesus was going through town to find Zacchaeus. In the story, we think Zacchaeus is trying to see Jesus, but actually, can I make this point? Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus more than Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus. How do I know that? Well, he called him by name. It wasn't some, hey, random guy in a tree, come down here, I want to talk to you. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Basically, Jesus said, I'm not going to walk by and leave Zacchaeus behind. No man is going to be left behind. Because at the end of the story, he tells us, we read it a moment ago, when it's all over, and he brought Zacchaeus down, and he went to his house, and he got saved, and all of that. He says, hey, let me just let you know what just happened. My mission is to seek and to save those who are lost. My question to you is, if you want to have the heart of Christ, because Jesus said that we're to do the things that he did, are you looking for the lost? Here's what's interesting. In the verse we just read, it says that the Son of Man came to seek the lost. And the word seek there, here's what it means in the Greek. It means to seek, to look for, with desire. So in other words, when you're looking, you're not just perusing, you're not just looking with peripheral vision, you're actually desiring to find, you're seeking, you're looking for. And I began to ask myself the question, why is it that if you look at statistics, it's amazing. In fact, if I had the statistic, I don't have it exactly today, but when I read it, it blew me away, the, the small percentage of Christians who have ever led someone to Christ. Did you know that most Christians have never led someone to Christ? And not only that, most Christians haven't even brought someone to church. 
So I asked myself the question, why aren't people, why aren't Christians, if that's what we're supposed to do, this said that Jesus came, that was his purpose, to seek and find the lost, to leave no one behind. Weird, the Bible says, to do what Jesus did, do greater than what he did. So why is it that we don't look? Why is it we're not inviting? Why is it that we're not leading people to Christ? Well, you know, there's lots of reasons. Sometimes, yeah, how many know you won't look for something if you don't know it's lost? Anybody ever have that happen? When you finally go to go get it out of your toolbox, you realize that your kids used it and now it's gone. <laughs> Come on, all the men said amen. It's one of the happiest feel-good moments of the day for the men. Or, or maybe you're a woman and you do that too. I think here's one of the reasons why we don't look. Because it's not valuable. You see, in the story, when I read the story, here's what I, I think. I think that the crowd didn't really care if Zacchaeus got to Jesus. And here's why. Because he was a tax collector. In fact, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which means he oversaw all the tax collectors in the region. Tax collectors were hated by the Jewish people. Why? Because a, Jew, a, a tax collector was a traitor. He was treasonous. Here's why. Because he worked for the, the enemy. He worked for the Roman government that was oppressing them. And not only did he work for the Roman government, but then he took the taxes that the Roman government said they had to take and added more on top to enrich himself. So this man was someone who they would say, he's not valuable. He doesn't deserve. Come on, have you ever seen someone that you know isn't serving God? You know is living a life that's not right. And if we're not careful, our mentality is, well, they made their bed. So they're just going to have to sleep in it. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, they made their decision, so they deserve it. And what happens is many times, that's our mentality. But I will, what I love about this story is that Jesus doesn't see him that way. Because this will help us with this concept of value and why we need to look for the lost and leave no one behind. Because when Jesus walks up, watch what he does. He looks up, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree, and instead of saying, hey, you tax collector, hey, you cheat, hey, you um, selfish person, hey, you traitor, come on down here. No, he didn't say that. Here's what he said. Zacchaeus, come down. Why is that important? Well, here's what's interesting. Did you know that Zacchaeus, his name in the Greek meant pure? The point I want to make is that Jesus was subtly pointing out that, listen, I don't see you for what you are. I see you for what you can be. And if we're not careful, we live our lives and we begin to see people for just who they are and the decisions they made. And because we only see them for the decisions they made, now they're not really that valuable. We don't really care. You know what? They deserve it probably and somebody else will take care. If God really loves them, he'll work it out. And so we walk by Zacchaeus every single day because they're not valuable. Let me ask myself the question, how is it that God is able to see Zacchaeus not the tax collector. And when I began to look at that, it brought me back to our verse, which says that he came to seek and save the lost. Did you know the word lost in the Greek? It has a couple meanings. One is it means um, to destroy or to perish. But here's what it also means, to get out of place. Now, let me explain it. How is it that God can see Zacchaeus and not the, the cheat and the, the stealer? I'll explain it this way. I... We had a dog, his name was Bruiser. He was a five-pound Yorkshire Terrier. And we loved Bruiser, but here's the thing about Bruiser. Bruiser, whenever the door was open, 
boom, he was gone. He wanted to get out of the house. I mean, it was like he was in prison and he was set free. My chains are, you could hear him singing it as he was going down, are gone. I've been, I mean, he is free. He'd get out and when he was, when he was out there, of course, we had to go look for him and try to find him. Well, we didn't worry too bad because he had a collar and on the collar it had our, our number, phone number, had his name and, and all of that stuff. So often when he would get out and sometimes, you know, you're not looking or someone comes to the door and you don't pay attention and boom, he's gone and 30 minutes would go by, we'd look, we couldn't find him, an hour, two hours, sometimes it, half a day, it happened a few times. And we'd get a call and when they would get the, we'd get the call, they'd say, hey, we found your dog, come over and get him. Now, here's my thing. When you see a dog that's out there running around the street, you normally, if you're a I think a normal person, here's what you don't do. Let me show you what you don't do. You don't walk up and go, you are a bad dog. How could you do that to the people that love you? Do you not realize what you've done? You are rebellious dog, bad, 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 bad dog. No, you don't do that. What do you do? You're like, oh, poor dog. He's lost. He doesn't know how to get home. He doesn't know where to go. The Bible doesn't say that he came to seek and save the bad. It said that he came in to seek and save the lost. You see, when you begin to have compassion because you realize people aren't just bad, they're, they're lost. Remember the story where there were three parables that Jesus told and they all have to do with lost things. The first one was the lost sheep. And he said, I'll leave the 99 and go after the one. And then it's the parable of the lost coin. And he said, I'll leave, I'll tear my house up to find that lost coin. And then the next parable we think is the prodigal son parable, but it's actually called the, the parable of the lost son. And the Bible says that the father is standing there waiting for his son. Now remember, his son was rebellious. His son turned his back on his dad. His son stole the inheritance before he should have had it. He took really what wasn't his. He did all of those things. How could the father be waiting for him? Here's, here's why. Because at the end of the story, when his son comes back and he runs and he embraces him and he puts shoes on his feet and puts a ring on his finger and puts a robe on his back, he brings him in and he has a party and he says this. He said, my son was dead, now he's alive my son was lost, but now he is found. You see, your mindset changes. Your heart changes when you realize this world is filled with people who have lost their way. And many times we don't think they're valuable because they've just made bad decisions. We don't think they're valuable because of what they've done, but what we don't realize is that God says, I don't see a tax collector. I see Zacchaeus. Are you looking for the lost? I had a, a coin that was given to me that was a gold coin, and it was worth a lot of money. And so I had taken it home, um, I, and I was going to take care of dealing with all the stuff that was required with it. And, and um, so I had thought I'd set it down somewhere, and so it came time for me to get it and take care of it, and I went to, to get it, and it wasn't there, and I started to freak out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm freaking out. I'm, I literally, I start, oh, well, maybe it's in my pocket, so I go into my closet, and I'm tearing the closet apart. I'm looking everywhere. I'm thinking, well, maybe it was in my pocket, and it fell down, and, and here's what was cool. is I was going through my closet, and I was looking between every shirt and looking on the ground. I started finding clothes that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, some of my favorite shirts that I thought my wife had thrown away. Come on, man. They were still there. 
Not only that, I found some shoes kind of in the back of the closet that were under the clothes. Here's my point is that it's amazing what you find when you're really looking. Could there be a Zacchaeus at your job standing in a tree? Could there be a Zacchaeus at your school, in your classroom? Could there be a Zacchaeus on the court or on the, the field that you coach or you play? Could there be a Zacchaeus in your neighborhood who's hurting because they are lost and they don't know where to go? You see, if we have the heart of God, we don't look at them with judgment because of what they've done. We look at what they can be because of God's love. And we say you're lost, but you can be found. They're valuable. You all with me? Say amen. amen. So let's keep going in the story because there's some great truth here. I want to read to you a little bit more of the story, focus on another part of it. So he comes walking up, and Zacchaeus, what does he do? He can't see because of the crowd. So he runs ahead. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. But the people were displeased that he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. Question number one is, are you looking for the lost? Here's the second question for you is, are you lifting up the lost? Are you lifting up the lost? Are you looking for the lost? Are you lifting up the lost? Now, what do you mean, Pastor Jerry? Well, here's the thing. In this story, we tend to focus on the two people, Jesus and Zacchaeus. But there's two other elements to this story that often we just read through and we don't focus on. And there are two things. I'm going to tell you one of them. One of the parts of this story that are very important, and that is the crowd. So let's talk about the crowd for a minute. Because when I look at the crowd, here's what I see. I see the crowd, to me, representing the things that become an obstacle that hinder someone from getting to Jesus. You know, there are always barriers that stop people from getting to Jesus. In this story, there's a couple things, I think, that were barriers that stop people from getting to Jesus. Here's the first one. It's the crowd, and I think the crowd represents that, and it's this. It was limited vision. Zacchaeus, how many, how many of you grew up singing the song in, in Sunday school? If you've never heard it, it goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Come on, anybody remember that song? He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Remember that? And as the Savior passed, the, I'm doing the motions when I was in school, he passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there, because I'm going to your house for tea. Okay, I'm, 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 maybe I took it a little far there. But. It's interesting because in the story, they point out that Zacchaeus was short. Now, let me just say, if you're here and you're vertically challenged, I don't want you to get offended today. But if you are vertically challenged, let me just say, how many know if you grew up like Zacchaeus, he had to have heard lots of short jokes. Come on, if you've got a friend that's, that's, that's not as tall as you, it's easy. Come on, have you heard some of them? I, I, I ran across a couple. There was one, he goes like this. He says, I feel sorry for short people. Because when it rains, they're the last ones to know. <laughs> I know, it's kind of corny. 
Here's one that's kind of fav- my favorite. It says, you should, stand, you should stop making fun of shore people because it always goes right over their head. Over here. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't help myself. But, but I'm, I, I'm just being silly today. But here's my, my point. I think that his physical stature was a representation of his spiritual condition. Because he couldn't see what he needed to see. This is a church about vision. That God helps people discover God's vision for their life at Higher Vision Church. And a lot of people can't see what God has for them. They can't see Jesus because of their limited vision. And you know, the devil does that. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who don't believe so that they can't see the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. So the devil would do whatever he can to put blinders on so that people are limited and can't see what God wants them to see. The other thing that's interesting is I think people often don't see Jesus, and one of the barriers of limited vision is their intellect or, or philo- philosophy. Because their mindset is, well, if, if you can convince me, if you can prove to me, if you can show me, and they begin to go through this philo- philosophical process. And here's what the Bible tells us. It says that, the, that, the, that the, the, the amazing things that God has for us, the mysteries, are not revealed to the wise, but to the foolish. Because I think the point is, is that so many times people want to try to put God in a situation where the Bible says that we're saved through faith, not through knowledge. And sometimes people, if they can work it out and they can make it, and let me just say, there's lots of evidence that supports what the Bible teaches, both archaeologically, both historically, through testimony and writing and all of that. But let me say that ultimately the kingdom of God isn't received through intellect. The kingdom of God is received through faith. So sometimes the barrier is the limited vision of the mind. Another thing is possessions. In this story, his limited vision, here's where I think his limited vision came. It was because he was so focused on obtaining things of the world. The Bible says he was very rich. So he got so focused on possession that he compromised his character. And how many times are there barriers that hinder people from getting to Jesus because of the vision that they have, the limited vision, and they've got caught up searching and going after things of this world, or they've got caught up in trying to to intellectually rationalize everything, or they've got caught up in, in, you know, so many other things that now their vision has hindered them from seeing Jesus. I see that in this story. You know, another thing that stops people, another barrier that, that stops people is not limited vision, but it's, ready? Religious people. You see, in this story, there was a group of people, and they were religious. And they, they hindered because of their being there. They, instead of being a vehicle to help get someone who needed to see Jesus to Jesus, they stopped it. You know, religious people tend to create obstacles. They tend to judge others. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can be the crowd We can be the thing that stops people from seeing Jesus rather than the thing that leads people to Jesus. How many of you have ever gone to Disneyland with your kids? How many know if you go to Disneyland with your kids? First of all, you should go with your kids because if you go by yourself, you're weird. (laughs) I'm sorry, Pastor JL. She brings people with her. Okay, so... 
Pastor JL loves Disneyland. I'll be honest with you. My kids told me I was weird this week because I had a friend, a pastor friend that happened to be in town. He was speaking at a church and he had one little part of a day free. So he texted me and said, hey, pastor, could you hang out with me? I want to spend some time. And so I'm like, cool. I, I set, moved my schedule around. I was going to go spend time. Thought we were going to have lunch, maybe whatever, hang out. And I get a text the night before and he said, meet me tomorrow at Disneyland. So I've got a selfie with another man at Disneyland. How many know that's a strange thing? No kids are involved. Just two men on the Star Tour ride at Disneyland. So when you go to Disneyland, there's the parade. It used to be the electrical parade. Remember that one? Remember that song that they played over and over again that when you left, you couldn't get out of your mind for an entire week? It's like you were cursing Disneyland every time you went, tried to go to bed. And so um, when you go and you have kids and the, the parade comes, here's what you don't do. If you're a bad parent, this is what you do. Your kids are like, hey, Dad, I can't see. Shh, be quiet. <laughs> Dad, Dad, I want to see you. Get over there. Talk to your sister. No, that's not what you do. As a parent, what do you do? You go, here, let me put you on my shoulders. Let me lift you up. Rather than being an obstacle and being the crowd. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people who don't realize it, but they're the crowd. They're the obstacle of people seeing Jesus because of their religiosity. Because of their hypocrisy. Because of their judging of others. How many of us are the crowd? Rather than getting people to Jesus, now people don't go want to go to church because they know you. Or they know me. Come on, somebody say amen. Remember the story of the prodigal son we talked about a minute ago? You know what's amazing about that story? Is there were two people in the story. One of them was the rebellious son. He was the one who went off and did the wrong thing. We know that he repented and he came back. And the father threw a party for him. And watch, now there was another son, and it wasn't the rebellious son, it was the religious son. It was the one who did all the right things, who was always in church, always with his dad, always serving, always doing the right things. But he got mad because the rebellious son came back to the father. And he said, you never threw a party for me. Here's the point. Is that son, if he really had a relationship with his father, if he really knew his dad, he would have known that his dad was ready for the son to come home. He would have known that the dad was ready to forgive the son. He would have known that the dad was going to throw a party. Here's the point. The religious son was just as far away from the father as the rebellious one was. And sometimes we can have a self-righteous attitude. Sometimes we can judge the tax collectors in the trees. Sometimes we can think that we are the ones that know and... Sometimes it's not even that. It's not that we're trying to be mean or trying to judge others. Sometimes it's just that we're selfish. Because what happened in the story in the beginning was, it wasn't that they said, you can't see Jesus. It was that I'm going to get to Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can get caught so caught up in, you know, I want to see Jesus. I want to have a relationship with Christ. That we just worry about ourselves. And, and then when it comes to inviting someone, well, I don't really have time to bring somebody to Easter. Because if I bring somebody to Easter, and if I serve at Easter, here's the thing. You don't understand, Pastor Jared. Easter is about family and about eggs and about chocolate. 
and we're going to have this big party after church, and we're going to all take pictures. And if we're going to take pictures, how can I bring someone to church? I'm going to have to be responsible to talk to them afterwards. It's going to mess up my day. And if we're not careful, we're standing on the side of the road trying to get what we can get from Jesus. And what we don't realize is that instead of being the thing that brings people to Jesus, we're the crowd. We're the thing that stops people from getting there. Come on, somebody say amen. So in this story, there's another part. There's the crowd, but there's also one other thing. There's the tree. And the tree was the vehicle to help someone who was far away and couldn't see. It was the vehicle to help position them to meet Jesus. Do you realize that you have the choice this Easter to be the crowd or to be the tree? You can be a tree by taking those cards and inviting people to come. You can be a tree by putting a, a sign in your yard. You can be a tree by just loving on somebody and praying with them as they're going through their trial. You can be a tree by putting that list of people on your prayer list that you're praying for. You can be a tree by being a friend of someone on the job who you know is facing some challenges. You can be a tree or you can be the crowd. The point I want to make is, are you looking for the lost and are you lifting up the lost? Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Um, what you're thinking is, well, Pastor Jared, I, I don't know. I, I, you don't understand. I'm not like the perfect Christian. I'm the perfect example you're talking about that because of, you know, I'm still trying to figure this out because I've got bad habits and temptations and I'm not perfect and I do things wrong. Come on, anybody here not perfect? Come on, wave at me. So God can't use me because I'll, I'll, be I'll be the crowd without even realizing it. So it's best I just stay out of it. I'm not going to help anybody. I'll probably do the wrong thing. You know what? Let me just give you one little insight into the story that most people don't know. In this story, it points out a specific tree, and it's the sycamore fig tree. Here's what you need to know about that tree. The sycamore fig tree was a tree that had large branches that started more towards the base of the tree, so it was an easy tree to climb. And here's the other thing. It produced fruit. Here's what's interesting. The fruit was worthless. You couldn't eat it couldn't use it for medicinal purposes. It had no value whatsoever. And some of you say, well, why are you bringing that up? Well, here's my point. Isn't it amazing that God used something that wasn't even producing anything to be the thing that he used as a vehicle to get somebody to Jesus? The point is, even though you may feel like you're not where you want to be, God can still use you. So you have a choice. Are you going to be the crowd? Or are you going to be a tree and lift people up to Jesus? You ready for the third question? Before I give you the third question, let me read the next part of the story. So when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down. And then he makes a really interesting statement. We often go by this part of the story. He says, I must be a guest in your home today. Now watch what happens. Zacchaeus quickly comes down 
and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Now, if you read the story, it says that everybody got mad that Jesus was going to the house of this horrible person. That's the religious spirit right there. They're upset that they're getting, that they're getting time with Jesus, but not them. So Jesus goes to his house. They're hanging out. And as they're hanging out, suddenly, we don't know what happened. Jesus probably told some, some passages. He might have taught a little bit. I don't know what. He spent time with Zacchaeus. But through this situation, the Bible says Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, I'll stop there for a second. Can I say just this phrase right here tells us something? It's a good little lesson. I was reading some, some theologians and, and um, scholars, and here's what they pointed out. If Zacchaeus was as bad a man as everybody thought he was, he wouldn't have had enough wealth to give back half of it to the poor and repay the people that he'd stolen from. So in other words, he wasn't as big a cheat as everybody thought he was. There's a lesson there for all of us, huh? So then it goes on, and Jesus says, Now, salvation has come to this house today. So in other words, God was saving him, his family, his kids, his whole home, everyone involved with his home. He said, For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. I want to give you point number three. Are you looking for the lost? Are you lifting up the lost? And here's the third one. Ready? Are you linking with the lost? I know it's a little weird, but it was an L word and it worked. So that all my points had an L in it. So just throwing it out there. So what are you really trying to say, Pastor Jerry? Because that's a little bit ambiguous. You know what the most powerful thing I think of this story is? And it's going to relate to these bags here. Do you realize that a miracle happened, and here was the miracle. Zacchaeus got saved. His family got saved. Poor people are going to get blessed in the city. And people who have been robbed, God is going to restore what's been stolen from them. All of those miracles happened, watch this, on the other side of a circle. We talk about circles in this church, don't we? I want to tell you something. Jesus didn't just preach him a message. Jesus didn't just give him a card. Jesus said, I'm going to commit to relationship. Because miracles happen on the other side of relationship, not the other side of a lesson. Miracles happen on the other side of a circle, not on the other side of a debate. He committed to a circle. And that's why on Holy Thursday, we're challenging all of you. And you see all these bags up here? I'm asking God to do two things. One, that God's going to ignite a fire inside of everyone in this church, that you're going to take tons of cards, you're going to invite your friends, you're going to invite your enemies, you're going to bring anybody and everybody you can, a spirit that says nobody is going to be left behind. I'm not going to walk by one tree where there's a Zacchaeus up in that tree and let them stay there. I'm going to ask them to come down. I'm going to do whatever I can to get them to the place where I know that their life will be changed. That's one thing. I'm asking God to do that. But number two, I'm asking God to stir up a heart within all of our existing circle leaders and with hopefully a hundred people that will say, you know what, Pastor? If Jesus was willing to do a circle right before Easter, I will. Because maybe a miracle is on the other side 
of that circle. Maybe a miracle is on the other side of me spending a little time in relationship with somebody. So let me talk about these circles for a minute. On Holy Thursday, Jesus circled up with his friends, disciples, brought them together, and he gave communion. Last year, we started it for the first time. We did a thing called Circles Around the City. And on Holy Thursday, we asked people to use their relationship network to call people together on Holy Thursday, just like Jesus did. And here's what we do for you. I've got an app, or the church app, and the church website is going to have a video that will be put on the, on the um, website on Monday of that week. So if you have your circle on Thursday, or if you have to do it another day, you can. And I'm going to give an altar call, and I'm going to lead communion. And in these bags is a bunch of communion elements and a little card to explain what to do. There's a little video that's like five minutes where I tell you how to host a circle. And it's real simple. You got to, you know, um, first of all, facilitate a circle or find or fill a circle. So you get some people together. For some of you, it may be people on the job, people you work with every day that you say, hey, this is Holy Thursday. I know some of you. Here's what's interesting about Zacchaeus. The Bible says that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. The word see there in the Greek means that he was investigating it wasn't just sight, but there was something that was drawing him. He wanted to know more. And there are people out there that even though they're hurting and they're making bad decisions, they want to know more. They're in, they're in a search. They just don't realize they're searching. And so I began to feel that the Lord stirred our heart to say, why don't we put a situation together where people can have a circle? Last year, we had an incredible thing happen. There was one individual that said, you know, I don't know if I, I can even lead a circle. And let me say, you can do it with kids at school during lunch. You can do it with some people on the, in the break room at work. You can do it if, if they let you in the break room. If not, go off campus. You can do it at your home if you want to invite some people in your neighborhood. That's kind of the way we're looking at doing it. Um, you can do it with people that are already in a circle. If you have a circle that already meets, have your circle meet that week. Get together. Take communion together. Invite some new people in. This particular person was thinking about a circle and what to do, and they said, you know, I'm just going to do it. And so they went to work, and they sent out an email and invite, invited all of these people to come. And they said, we thought, and we got this message back after it was over, we thought no one would come. And when I showed up for that circle, eight people came. And when you gave the altar call on that video, Pastor Jared, Six of the eight people that came lifted their hands to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. <laughs> Telling you, there's something. There are miracles on the other side of your circle. So who do you need to circle up with? Who need you gather up with? Some of your family and then invite. Maybe for you, it's like you don't know who to have, so invite your family, but tell your kids, hey, bring some of your friends with you. There's a way. You have somebody. There's somebody in a tree near you. Who's in the tree near you? I can't reach the person in your, the tree by your house, but you can. Are you looking for the lost? Are you lifting up the lost? Are you going to be a vehicle to help people get to Jesus? And are you linking up? Are you connecting with the lost? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end this service. I'm going to give an altar call, but then when we end the service, I'm going to ask I'm believing that every bag right here is going to disappear before this weekend is over. We've given out something like 35 bags already. Let me say, if you have a, a circle, we're asking our leaders for all of their leaders, like women's ministry, every person that's a circle leader in women's ministry already, right now we're asking you to just do your circle. 
Some of you might have to do it by text, Facebook, or whatever. Some of you might be able to do it physically, but we're asking everyone. So, but there are a lot of people out here that you have an opportunity to do some kind of circle, to get somebody out of a tree. Because what was on the other side of the circle? Salvation for him, for his home. The poor were blessed. Those that had lost, God brought it all back, restored. There's miracles on the other side of your circle. So at the end of the service, when we sing the song the last time, I'm going to ask you to just come, step out of your seats and grab a bag.